I've no regrets whatsoever. I've, I've, for me, it's been really liberating and, and given me the opportunity to really think through and really declutter some of the stuff that I had when I was in police and when I was working in the private sector, you know, really trying some fantastic challenges that I couldn't have done when I left the police initially. I needed the time and I needed that experience in other environments to actually move forward and be where I am now. And I've got a long way to go, but I feel like it's been like a journey rather than, you know, I just get from A to B and that's, that's it. There's more to it than that. If you're a police officer or currently working in law enforcement and you're considering a new career, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Andy Labrum. Welcome to the Blue Light Leavers podcast. Don't forget you can join the Blue Light Leavers Facebook group at www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Blue Light Leavers. You can also check out the website at www.bluelightleavers.com. Now today I've got the privilege of talking to Elaine Innes. Elaine is a former police officer. She spent 15 years in the police before moving on to do new roles. Now, unusually, I'm not going to say too much about what she moved on to do or what she's doing now because it's such a fantastic story. Throughout this interview, she gives some incredible information about the processes that she went through, how she felt on leaving, how she felt on uh, being offered the new role and how she settled in in that transition period. We also talk about um, interview styles and how to structure your answer. And we also talk about how to evidence your skills and experience when leaving the police and moving into other roles. I promise this is a fantastic interview. Let's go over to Elaine now. Hi, Elaine. Great to have you here. Thank you so much for agreeing to be interviewed on the Blue Light Leavers podcast. It's really good of you. So thank you very much for joining us today. No, my pleasure, Andy. Thank you for inviting me. Not at all. Obviously, your career history within the police. And um, would you just give us a bit of your background and then we can talk about, um, you know, sort of the catalyst for, for change for you. And then we'll go into uh, what you're currently doing because you've got a great story to tell. Sure. So um, I joined uh, the police in uh, July 1999. Always wanted to be in the police service. And uh, I spent 15 years there. So I was in Thames Valley and uh, I started off obviously on frontline like the rest. Uh, I got promoted quite quickly. So within a couple of years, I was doing sergeant roles. I was a uh, staff officer for the assistant chief constable. I then moved across uh, and was a force incident manager for a couple of years. Um, I then was uh, the DI with the intelligence team. Uh, after that, I moved across to the Southeast Counterterrorism Unit. I worked in the prevent team there as a DCI. Uh, and then my final role uh, within the service was as the, um, the in, uh, chief inspector or deputy commander for the uh, Southern Oxfordshire and Vale of White Horse uh, command unit. So, you know, I did lots of things, had a fantastic career um, and, uh, you know, met and worked with some really brilliant people, uh, many of whom I still keep in touch with now. Incredible. And I wonder what sort of timescale was that? So uh, I spent 15 years with Thames Valley. I, I wasn't on any of the accelerated promotion schemes and so on. I, you know, I kind of just worked my way through. Um, and I think that gave me the opportunity to work on lots of different teams, which is essentially what I wanted to do. For me, it was the diversity of roles and things like that that I found really, you know, interesting and challenging. And that's always mm. been how I am, you know, mm. getting that mixture of different things and those different challenges. You had some incredible roles. I think I was 
absolutely desperate not to do a, a desk bound job. You know, yeah. I wanted that. I wanted something that was more dynamic, but I think probably most of all, I wanted to do something where I felt like I could make a difference. That was a huge thing for me. It wasn't about making money. It wasn't, you know, any of those kind of things. It wasn't about success per se, but it was about trying to, you know, do something that you felt was contributing to a, you know, a kind of greater good, if you like, as, as, kind of cheesy as that sounds that was what i wanted yeah no i get that it's it's exactly the same. i mean i think we all joined for exactly that reason and i think um you know it does sound cheesy but the bottom line is that's why we join you know yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, there's yeah. some incredible yeah. roles so what about in terms of the roles that you were doing elaine what was the um what were the, the big ones for you that, that you really enjoyed most I think probably the one with the steepest learning curve and the one that I got probably the most out of was the force instant manager role. Um, I had done public order and different things like that before, but that role, I mean, you literally covered absolutely everything. And so from an operational policing perspective, uh, there was very little ground that you didn't cover. Mm -hmm. Uh, It it was... um, hugely hugely challenging but you I mean you literally didn't know what you were going to get from one day to the next <laughs> um and that for me was the real buzz of it uh and I you know again when I used to coach and mentor officers that were looking for promotions and things like that the rules encouraged them to do those kind of roles because for me that was the thing that would set you up for those uh, those sort of leadership positions because you had so much responsibility and things yeah. that would really challenge you to push you forward. Absolutely. And it, I mean, incredible roles. And actually, it's really interesting. Some of the other guests have, have been in that role as well. And, um, you know, they yeah. all say that it's a role that they've really enjoyed doing, but it's something incredibly pressurised. And yeah. um, now for a lot of people, um, one of the reasons, one of the main reasons why they decided to move on and do other things was was um, um, obviously changing conditions. But the, the biggest reason, I think, was generally lack of progression. Now, obviously, you've, you've done incredibly well. You moved so quickly and you, you had so many amazing roles. So what was it for you? What was what was the catalyst for you? How come, you know, you said you really enjoyed it. You had a fantastic career. What was it that, that changed things for you? I think, you know what, it was so many different things. There, there really were so many different things. I think some of the key things, though, were around, as I was getting older, I kind of was looking for different things from a role. And I think for me, policing is a vocation. You know, this isn't something that you can do Monday to Friday, nine to five, pretty much. You know, there are some roles like that, but but the majority of the time, if you really want to get on, if you really want to progress, um, then I think the roles that you're looking at are much more challenging than that. So I think there was a different, there was for me a change perhaps in my values about the things that I was really looking for from a role. Um, there were other things as well where I didn't, um, I, I didn't get that, or started to lose that sense of a buzz, if you like, or that that job satisfaction that I really wanted and needed and I had initially and then I kind of progressively didn't get as time went on. And I don't think for me that was so much about the roles. I think that was more about me as an individual, kind of as I was um, getting more experienced and and exposed to different things. I, I just kind of wanted something different. I also kind of, as you touched on already, you know, there was all the stuff with the paying conditions and so on, which I was was caught by as well. But I didn't, uh, I think one of the considerations for me was that my um, my dad passed away from uh, bowel cancer in 2009 and he didn't actually make it to his retirement. And I think within policing, there's this real thing where you think that 
you kind of so much is towards the retirement thing, you know, and particularly when people kind of get mid career and so on, they think, well, I just push on a few more years and, you know, and then I can get my retirement and then I can do what I want to do. And I didn't want to be that person because, you know, for my dad, he didn't get to his retirement age. And so I, I, it was a real thing for me that although it took me probably the best part of five years beyond that point to actually leave the police, I, it really, you know, it really sat with me. And that was yeah. one of probably one of the key things for me um, where I thought I need a job that I love and I'm not loving this anymore. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was the difference. I think. Incredible. Um, so what were the steps that you then took, Elaine? What was it that you did and, and how did you go about doing it? So I... Because we haven't touched on what you're actually currently doing yet and I'm saving that for a bit because I'd <laughs> like to... <laughs> <laughs> we'll bring that in exactly boom. we'll bring that in a bit later but um so yeah let's you know what were the steps that you took and and how did you go about doing it and and you know as it because there's a lot of people that were spoken to and have been guests on the podcast obviously people that have helped as well that that they go through years of thinking yeah. about it yeah. and not actually doing anything until a either a particular moment or things just fall into place what was it for you yeah, a, a lot of that definitely resonates with me. I think I, I was just totally overwhelmed. You know, I've, I've spent, you know, I'd spent certainly at that 10, 11 year point, all that time invested in trying to move my career on to be, you know, the best, best police officer that I can be. And, you know, I've, I've always wanted to do this job as long as I can remember. And then suddenly finding yourself in a position where you actually you don't want to do it anymore is kind of tricky. You know, it's really hard. So what do you do? I think to an extent I kind of played it safe because actually I didn't have a real clear view of where I was trying to get to, you know, beyond the police service, what was I going to do? I, I really didn't know. And I, I think taking my time and trying to work that out has been a key thing for me. So I kept it simple. I kind of looked at the stuff that I was doing in different roles that I did enjoy um, I took advice from people that had moved on, you know, um, out of the service as well, obviously. And also to people that have never been near policing or, or anything similar to that, because I think you have to be as open-minded as you can be. And um, I spent probably a good couple of years just looking at all these different jobs and stuff and, and just couldn't really see where I fitted in. However, I eventually... Um, started to get a sense that, you know, sticking with security seemed to be the right thing. A lot of people have said to me about risk management as well. And so as a result, my, my first role when I left uh, Thames Valley was uh, with the Nationwide Building Society as a security risk manager. And for me, that was a kind of perfect role in terms of an introduction into the private sector. But a probably key for me as well was the nature of the Nationwide meant that actually in terms of organisational values was a million miles off, as strange as it sounds, policing, you know, because it wasn't a massively commercial um, enterprise. You know, it's set up very differently to ordinary commercial banks and so on. And, and I think for me that, that helped my transition because I wasn't going into an organisation where the culture was so alien, which, again, is another thing I think that is really easy to overlook when you're so used to working in a policing environment. Mm -hmm. um, so I spent 12 months doing that. And, again, it was a great introduction to the private um, kind of security world. I did everything from investigations, fraud, um, some tech security, 
there was physical security, business continuity. There was just a whole raft of different things that I was given exposure to. Mm. And, and for me, again, as you can tell from my background, I like the diversity and the roles. And that was obviously a great starting point for me. Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of the skills and experience, I hate the term transferable skills. Yeah. <laughs> so I always yeah. talk about I always <laughs> sorry, I always talk about you've got to have the skills, you've got to have the experience, and that's what you need to map across. You know, the, people talk about these transferable skills. You need more than that. You know, you need to be able to evidence that you've got experience in a similar field that, or something where you can map it across. So how did you go about doing that? Because that's that's really important, really key to particularly with that first role moving out of the police. And I think this goes, the, the key thing for me, Andy, is always that this key thing about going back to what is it you want to do? Because mm-hmm. it's really easy to get stuck in a rut where, you know, within the policing environment, you've done certain roles and, and, and it's your comfort zone. There's nothing wrong with that. But trying to just have a slight step back so you're really clear about what is it you're trying to get from this next role? Where are you trying to get to? So that you can push your luck a little bit, you know, with what experience you had in the police and actually what your skill set is moving forward into your new role like you say you know policing you do so much stuff you cover so much ground regardless of what positions you've you've held relative to an awful lot in the private sector and so getting comfortable with what you actually want to do for me anyway was was a a more it was a better place to be yeah and I literally kind of sat down and thought what is it that I enjoy doing right now and then for me it was easier to pick up on the roles that when they came up, they were actually going to be of interest to me instead of just kind of effectively picking yourself up and transferring yourself into the private sector and not actually moving forward in a sense, you know, because yeah. you're not you're not doing the things that you enjoy doing. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. That's it. That's exactly what I tell people. So there's people that you know that have been on the podcast, I think, that we may know. Um, and and he talks about exactly the same thing. I actually sent him off with, you know, pen and paper, right? I need yeah. you to do this, you know. So you, the way you've described it is exactly how I take people through it as well, which is brilliant. The actual skills and experience that you, um, that you evidenced for that initial nationwide role, what do you feel those were? And, you know, how did you actually evidence that? And what was the interview process? Yeah, so the um, so there were face to face interviews. There were two rounds, um, and I think, and this is something that I found repeatedly tends to be that the first interview is fairly informal because they're trying to understand you as a person, what your fit is with the organisation, and so obviously they want to know about you and they want to understand your experience. But actually, it's much more about you as an individual, and I think it's really important that at that point that you take the opportunity to get to know the organisation because the, na- the thing with policing is, and this was the thing that I found really difficult initially, is that you normally know somebody that's in the department or you know somebody that knows somebody and then you step out into the outside world and the chances are you don't know anybody in this and you've no clue what the organisation's like and it's a really different environment if you don't get it right. And taking that opportunity to understand the two people sat in front of you who are invariably going to be your manager and probably a team member are are really important and a great opportunity to kind of take with both hands. Mm -hmm. I think there is a tendency with some of the interviews that I've had, there is, there are some areas um, within sectors that like policing that will be pleased with the, the kind of exposure that you've had and will see the opportunities almost without you articulating them. And there'll be others that perhaps are much more reticent that don't understand and grasp what it is you, you've done. Risk management for me was a huge thing. 
Because if you can explain, particularly, for example, in an operational environment, the kind of thought process that you're having to go through to make your decisions to do what you've got to do, then, you know, it, it's an incredibly powerful interview. Mm. And you're given, you're given examples that, you know, the majority of the rest of the people that you're probably competing against for the role are just not going to be able to touch. So yeah. I think there's some real opportunities there to really explore what it is that you've done. And whilst in a, if you were sort of competitive, the police officers, they'd be like, mm, that's, yeah, great, well done you. But yeah. actually, in the outside environment, it, it really does um, help. I think potentially you get that, you know, that role. Yeah. Yeah. Depending totally on how agree. you position it. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. Um, and actually, I, I don't know about you, but I've, I've turned a number of roles down as well as a result of the feel that I've got. Yes, from absolutely. that first interview as well, you know, I've taken yeah, it no further. Yeah. So, uh, it, you know, that, that it's it's so important that it's a two way thing. Totally. Really, really important. But yeah, that's fantastic. Um, so, how did you feel when they turned around and said, "Yeah, we'd really like you to take this job on"? Oh, I can't tell you how excited I was. I was just like <laughs> freedom, or so I thought, you know. And I, uh, I, I just because I, I think for me, the hurdle of trying to find a role outside of policing had become a really big thing in my head, mm-hmm. um, a massive thing, in fact. And I really was getting to a point where I thought, I don't know actually that I can. You know, everybody says you can get roles, and I was just beginning to think, I'm not sure I can. Yeah. Um, so when they, when that was accepted and, and then you kind of have a different environment again, where you've got to understand, so you need it in writing and mm. all these kind of little subtle things. But yeah, I, I was just really pleased and I felt like I was doing the right thing for me. hundred percent, hundred percent knew that that was the right path for me. Brilliant. And that was the that's, thing. That's so good to hear because, um, you know, I, I know a lot of people as well that have also been through the, um, oh my God, what have I done? You know, is that, <laughs> is that so? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that, that blind panic hits where you where, where you think yeah okay right this has just got real i need to uh right i've got to make a decision now you know so it's great that you were so clear about it that's fantastic how did you find that transition when you actually um um when you actually went there for the first few days first few weeks how do you find it uh it was very alien and i so I, I joined the police when I was um, 25. So it wasn't that I hadn't got experience outside of policing because I know many people join young and, and so that, that's their, their sort of frame of reference. And I was surprised at myself about how I had become used to the policing environment to the extent that when I stepped out into this new world, it, I, I just couldn't click with it to start with. So, for example, things like I was used to going into the... Um, police station and chatting about my weekend for example or what I'd done the night before or whatever it might be um my colleagues weren't so forthright where I was working in my new environment you know they were um they were perfectly polite don't get me wrong there's no nobody's rude or unpleasant or any of that kind of stuff but it was just different and I always felt in policing people tended to know your business much less so in the in the private sector or certainly where I've worked um it's it's a bit more reserved if you like the office was very quiet I was used to working in an environment where there was a fairly strong level of banter or certainly there would be clicks in and out of that during the day Mm. um just a very very different uh working environment very very different yeah and in terms of settling in and um you know with that first role and I know and what I advise people as well is to have a degree of humility because, you know, you're going somewhere completely new. You have got some fantastic skills, some great yeah. experience, but you, 
you know, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm, I'm assuming you did the same sort of thing where you go and you yeah. just sort of surround yourself with people that yeah. know what they're doing and just soak it all up, you know. So do you do something? Absolutely. Like yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I found as well, particularly for anybody interested in moving into security world, tech security, you cannot get away from. And I found myself sitting in meetings sometimes. I had no idea what they were talking about at all. Mm. I mean, I literally had no idea. And and then I <laughs> discovered over time that actually other people in the meeting didn't always understand what was going on, which was quite reassuring. But the point was that initially, you know, you've stepped into this new environment and you just think, I don't, what is going on? I don't yeah. have no idea. Not yeah. always, you know, there were other things that you could contribute to and, and, and so on. But you just have to take that time to learn like you say, and absorb the environment around you, understand the team you're working with, you know, like you would have done before, really, but yeah. the environment is different. Yeah, definitely. That's fantastic. So what happened next? So I did that role for 12 months and I, like I say, in terms of the grounding, it was great, but I, it just, for me, wasn't enough. I needed, I needed more responsibility. Um, probably what I should have said as well was because I was a... Um, security risk management consultant I didn't actually have a team so that was the first time in you know not quite 15 years that I hadn't actually managed anybody and and to start with it was actually lovely you know you get to the end of the day at five o'clock skip out the door think I haven't got to worry about anybody you know it's all it's all done but but actually over time I was missing and I was missing that environment and and the sort of leadership management sort of opportunities so I started to apply for other roles, similar kind of things, still within the security environment, because I didn't, I, I still was trying to find my feet with everything and, and learning as I went. I applied for numerous roles. I went for numerous interviews, as you say, Andy, similar sort of thing. Um, and my next role then was uh, with Vodafone. So that was as a physical security manager. So that was more focused in on probably things that are more, you would be more used to within the policing environment. So event management, for example. There's some elements of travel security, looking after physical locations, that type of thing. So for me, I was more comfortable in that role. There mm -hmm. was exposure to fraud and investigations as well. Um, but again, Vodafone being the, the, um, the kind of organisation that it is, obviously gave me exposure to the global kind of picture, which for me was really fascinating because I'd never worked in that kind of you know, environment before. Yeah, and again, a lot more opportunities. Mm. What do you enjoy about it? I, I think it was, it was the, the global nature of it and trying to get your head around the different countries that the company was either operating in or looking to operate in and how you supported that. So you had to understand everything from cultural, political considerations to the teams, sales teams you were sending in. You know, there was a, there was a lot to, to kind of understand. Plus, obviously, trying to understand telecoms itself which to mm. me you know was a whole new world again um you know understanding the actual what was the organization about and what we were trying to achieve yeah absolutely so um how long did you stay there for so i stayed there for uh, just over uh well four years thereabouts um okay i worked i moved across to vodafone business so there i was head of corporate security um and again the role evolved again but it was i actually set the function up at that point and again, it was just more probably in line with the sort of thing that I would have done previously. So again, managing teams and that kind of thing, which was mm. what I, I was enjoying doing. Yeah, that's brilliant. And um, so you spent four years there and obviously the, the interview process for the promotion, what did that entail and how did you go about? Because, you know, they can be very different to the select, you know, selection processes that we used to. Could you remember what you had to do for, um, you know, for that particular 
Right. Yeah, so they it was um, you did have to do a presentation, but to be honest, I, again, it was quite straightforward compared to probably some of the stuff that I would have done in policing. It, you know, it gave me a good grounding then to be able to do that. You had time to prep and all that sort of stuff beforehand, so it wasn't an on-the-spot thing. Uh, you had two rounds of um, competency-based interviewing, so again, very similar to the sort of thing that you know you would have done in policing. Uh, and in actual fact, I think for me. I found that I probably had a stronger interview on the back of my policing experience because I had an idea about how to structure things and so on that probably some of my colleagues did. So again, it's all good stuff that, you know, in terms of being able to deal with these things, it's not that far removed from what I'd done before. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, I found that the vast majority of interviews that I've had have been competency-based as well. Have you found the same? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. 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 So do you yeah. use a particular structure for your answers? <laughs> So probably star or tar, same thing. Mm. So as far as possible, because I think it is difficult when you're on the spot, mm. um, is, is structuring what was the task, what action did you do, and then what was the result, essentially. So you just try and structure it as much as possible. Yeah. I did obviously do interviews as in conducted them when I was in Vodafone, and it was interesting to me how many people don't do that. Mm. And, and I think if you can try and get that structure to the examples that you've got – you know, it's, it, it's a really, it's a really good thing. Yeah. Also yeah. having plenty of examples in your back pocket is kind of useful as well. Yeah. Cause you don't, as you know, you don't always have the right answer for the right competency. And so there's a bit of just a bit of making sure you're taking enough, you know, roles in it, um, yeah. examples in with you. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I totally agree with that. And, and something I use a lot as well, I actually use Carl a lot of the time, which is okay. similar to context, yeah. action, result, and then lessons learned. Yes, And it's a nice thing to throw in at the end as well, particularly with, um, you know, some of the stuff that we've done. If you can turn around, particularly around the policing examples, and you can turn around and go, and actually, in hindsight, had we done this, then this may have resulted and, and you know, we would have got there a bit quicker or whatever it may have been. And it's it's just a nice way to, to round off those, um, you know, those type of responses that, that you're putting together for, for these um, competency-based interviews, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what happened next? So I you think did four years, it, didn't you? Um, yeah, I I kind of knew this wasn't this wasn't for me for life. This was like this transition, and it was about giving myself a bit of time and breathing space to um, kind of move out of policing and, and really think about what it was that I wanted to do. I think that um, in kind of year three, if you like, I decided. And I only intended to do it as a, as a bit of a sideline, basically, but I wanted to be uh, an indoor spin instructor and I just planned to do a couple of classes a week because I was going as a kind of attendee anyway. For some of the courses, they wanted uh, you to be a personal trainer. So, so I thought, uh, why not? It's something I've, I've always been into fitness. I enjoy that sort of thing. And so I did the course, um, both courses. I did the indoor cycling and the PT course. And I just love them so much, literally, that I, I decided that that was the thing that I wanted to do. And, and, you know, it was a huge change in terms of everything that I'd done to date. And yet, actually, when I really look back, you know, when people try and work through what it is that they love doing, I think sometimes you can miss the most glaringly obvious things, the things that you do all the time that for some reason you just pass over and you still keep thinking of it in context of work and not in terms of your hobbies and your interests and things like that. Um, so yeah, so I, in my wisdom decided that actually what I wanted to do, um, was be a personal trainer initially, but with a view 
and this is the thing that I want to do longer term is 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 working for myself and um and, and build a business out that's more about lifestyle and and things like that um and not just sitting purely obviously within the PT world or as much as I do love that as well fantastic that's a brilliant thing to do and it, it's you know you touched on it right at the very start it's when you you know put pen to paper and and you know your reason why is so important and the type of things that you love to do and you're passionate about um you know that is really so important so how were Vodafone about the fact that you were you were packing up and and moving on to do new things? Well, it was all a bit awkward, really, because initially, when I started, uh, I did the course, and that was fine because it didn't. It was on the weekend, and and it didn't interrupt my my work, so that was fine. And then um, I actually I I knew I needed to get some experience initially, so I I managed to find some. Um, I, I did some volunteer work at the kind of local CrossFit gym, but I also. Um, did do some paid classes and things like that too, and but it, but because you um, require vetting um, quite often for these kind of roles, I had to speak to my line manager to say I'm doing this stuff, and I did have in the back of my mind at that point I just want to do it permanently, mm. and um, and so that was quite it was really difficult because I thought you know I've probably gone mad now, and and here I am effectively walking away from an incredibly well paid job. Um, a job that a lot of people would no doubt, you know, kind of kill for. And I, I want to move on to do something else. However, um, obviously when the time was right a little bit further down the line and I knew that this was what I wanted to do, uh, to be honest, my colleagues were fantastic. I, I Vodafone is a genuinely is a great place to work. I keep in touch with a lot of the people there mm-hmm. and, um, and people were really supportive, many really surprised, but I think a lot of people did understand my reasoning for why I wanted to do, what I did and I think you sometimes just have to worry less about what other people think and do what's right for you and I think it's really easy to get caught up in the mindset of my boss is going to kill me and oh, my what are my colleagues going to think and all this sort of stuff and you know yeah. you've just got to do what's right for you. 100%. So how did you go about doing it? Obviously you did the spin courses first, what other courses have you completed? Yeah so I did uh, yeah so I did my level two and three um PT course and then I did my CrossFit level one course as well um, and then really it was more about it's more been about getting experience really and getting mm-hmm. that the one-to-one with people and obviously teaching the class stuff as well mm-hmm. um, but um, yeah and it takes a bit of time and you but but again when you love doing something which I really really do then it really isn't a problem I'm quite happy because yeah. I had the longest day in the world at Vodafone I was I could go out in the evening and do it all over again it was just you know, it was the thing that gave me the buzz and that was the thing that I'd been looking for for so long. Fantastic. And what were your worries and concerns, Elaine, of of, of leaving that job and, you know, that security, if you like, and, and going it alone and doing your own things? It's money, fundamentally. I think yeah. it always is. Um, it, it's not about the role. It's not about who I worked for. I was quite comfortable with all that kind of stuff. But for me, it was the money. I knew it was a massive pay cut. I knew there were opportunities and I still believe them to be opportunities in the field, but I knew that I was going to have to change quite drastically in the next kind of couple of years to be able to do what I wanted to do longer term. But for me, I just have, and I still have the belief that I can do it. And so I just pushed forward and, and, and I just kind of get missile lock for want of a better way of explaining it to try and get where you need to be at. And I've no regrets whatsoever. I've, I've, 
for me, it's been really liberating and, and given me the opportunity to really think through and really declutter some of the stuff that I had when I was in policing, when I was working in the private sector, you know, really trying some fantastic challenges that I couldn't have done when I left the police initially. I needed the time and I needed that experience in other environments to actually move forward and be where I am now. And I've got a long way to go, but I feel like it's been like a journey rather than you know, I just get from A to B and that's, that's it. There's more to it than that. Mm. I love it. I think it's just such a great story. And I love the fact that you, you know, you, you're chasing a dream and, and you've done everything. Um, you know, you've moved location as well, haven't you? You've, you've you're now in Edinburgh as well, which is incredible yeah. and a beautiful city to be in as well. So um, no, it's absolutely stunning. And so for those people that, um, that may be considering leaving or, um, you know, they're, they're coming up to retirement and uh, not too sure about what they want to do or even in retirement and, and looking for roles. What sort of advice would you give people who are in a position where they're not happy or want to move on? I, I think for me, you know, life is very short. You have opportunities of very few. And I, I've spoken to lots of people in the police service uh, over the years, continue to do so. You know when the time is right. You know sometimes you'll have these thoughts, and you just don't feel like you're in the right place right now, and that's fine. But don't don't lose sight of it. It might need be that you just need a little bit more time to get your head straight about what it is you want to do. But equally, don't fear leaving. You know there is a whole huge world out there. There is so much opportunity. Don't fear. You know don't fear it. Kind of embrace it and go and do what you want to do. Um, because you know that there's 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 just so much out there, and and I think you you'll be so much better for it. I don't know anybody, including myself, that has left and regretted it. Now I'm not saying there aren't, because I'm sure there will be somewhere. Mm-hmm. But in in the time that I've left, and I've seen lots of other people leave, and those people have stepped away, you know, they've they, the whole whole raft of different opportunities has opened up. So you know, don't fear it. Just get the support network around you. And go for it. Amazing. Thank you so much. That's great advice. And I'm, I'm so pleased that you're doing what you're doing as well. And uh, I'm really grateful for, for obviously you spending the time to, to be on the podcast as well. It's, it's fantastic of you. So Thank if you. people want to connect with you, what's the best way of doing that? Yep. So um, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, so Elaine Innes, or I've got a website as well. Uh, it's all very, all very posh. So elaineinnesfitness.com. Um, there's um, my numbers on there, my emails on there. However, people want to connect, more than happy to help anybody that wants to, you know, step out and um, advice. Very happy to do that. Fantastic, thank you so much. And I'll, I'll obviously link to those in the show notes as well, so people can contact you through the show notes as well. So, Elaine, thanks so much. Brilliant interview, some fantastic information there, and and uh, and I just love what you're doing. So, uh, thanks so much for your time, and look forward to catching it with you again soon. Thank you, Andy. So hopefully you'll understand now why I didn't want to tell you too much right at the start of the interview about what Elaine had done and what she's now doing, because uh, it's such a great story. You know, 15 years uh, in the police service in some amazing roles. And then talking about how she moved on to Nationwide and then Vodafone and getting promoted into a really highly paid job, but then ultimately following her dream and her passion of going into uh, personal training. It's just such a brilliant story and there's so many nuggets of information in there that I know are going to help you. So don't forget, you can join the private Facebook group at www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash blue light levers. And also check out the website www.bluelightlevers.com. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye for now.